You've tuned into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, Bunk? Richard, it's been a long, hot summer. <laughs> yes, it has. Yeah, I mean it's it's been that it's been long and hot down here. Uh, as I understand it, up there in Phoenix, you've had quite the rain for the last couple of days. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been insane. Actually, I think it's been probably one of the like most like aggressive monsoon seasons we've had since I've lived in Arizona. Like it's been really wild i mean we've had everything from like uh power outages to like telephone poles getting knocked over to trees getting struck by lightning and catching on fire i mean like it's been it's been insane yeah i can't say that that's the the reason that uh we haven't recorded (laughs) in a while (laughs) but uh it's definitely adding to the effect i mean it's 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 been just a busy busy summer for both of us i i feel so uh i'm glad that we were able to get back together at least for the end of the summer to talk about anything that we've been doing yeah no absolutely it's been way too long like um i mean i always really enjoy doing this and i know um from the feedback we get and stuff a lot of people enjoy listening to it but yeah it's just like you said it's been really hectic lately uh for both of us and uh, i think things are finally starting to slow down a little bit and uh, hopefully getting back on track for us here well i don't know about slow down but i think we're definitely getting a little better organized (laughs) oh yeah that's true yeah uh but yeah what i mean I, I would say that I have been watching quite a bit of, of everything in the time that I can. Uh, I also mm-hmm. I also downloaded, finally, the Injustice 2 uh, for my PS4. So I started playing that like oh, nice. this week, which uh, I loved the first Injustice game. Like That's a game that I can just throw on and play and kind of veg out if I have the, the, the free moments to do. So I'm excited to get into this uh, Injustice 2. Kind of starts off weird because it's like, the I think the beginning of the game starts off like before the first game in the story. So Really? Yeah, like, because in the first game, uh, the first time you go up against... The, the evil version of Nightwing, it's the adult Damien, and he's already, like, betrayed Batman to be on Superman's side, and then, like, in the beginning of this one, you're, you're playing Batman, and Damien is your Robin, and he finally comes out, and he's like, hey, I, I think I'm standing with Superman on this. We should be killing the criminals kind of thing, and and then he walks away after he kills uh, one of the, the Arkham Asylum inmates, he walks away with Superman. It's like, oh, so this is all taking place before the first game. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's uh, interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that that's how that uh, timeline was unfolding. Yeah. Neither had I. So it was very, it was weird to, to, to just start, start the game off that way. Nice, but you're enjoying it. Other than that, though, like, did you did you buy it or did you get it like for free or I, I bought it off the PlayStation store, the Sony. Okay. Yeah. The yeah, it was like it was offered up for I think nineteen ninety nine for the legendary edition, which I I believe the legendary edition is the one that has all the like DLC characters. 
Most likely, yeah. I mean, it's it's so hard to tell anymore. Like, gaming has just gotten so ridiculous. There's, like, 30 editions for, like, every game that comes out now. And it's just, like, it's so almost impossible sometimes to keep track of everything anymore. Yeah, it seems that way. So what, I mean, uh, it, uh, obviously, uh, we know from your your Twitch channel, what games have you been playing? Well, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really feel like I haven't been gaming um, quite as much as I, as I was. Uh, I definitely think, like I said, some other stuff's come up and, you know, life's been pretty busy and hectic but uh gosh uh we finished up uh we finished up a, a, a well like a playthrough and a half i should say of uh detroit become human on on stream and then we uh we moved into um currently playing through god of war um which is actually really really intense it's a really cool uh game like are you are you playing through the first one or like the, no, the newest no, no. one so they, they yeah, it's the newest one. Um, for whatever reason, though, I guess the that this is also a trend in gaming that's started happening is is that uh, they just start you know renaming things or you know like the Xbox One they just go backwards instead of you know we went from three sixty to one and you know <laughs> God of War went from like God of War three or four to just God of War so it's just kind of these like weird reboot situations or re it's not even a reboot though from what i understand like it's it's a i guess it's a continuation i'm not super familiar with like the franchise unfortunately um but the cool thing about this one uh is it starts off and uh, you're you know you're playing kratos but you also have like your son that's with you and so you kind of have this like secondary character that you kind of start you know, caring about and worrying what happens to them and just to add a really interesting dynamic to the game to have this like character that's, you know, kind of like notorious for just being like a mega badass type dude. And all of a sudden, you know, it's kind of showing this side of him where it's like he wants to be kind of a father figure, but he's not really quite sure how to do that. Um, which is really interesting. I'm not super far into it yet either, um, but I'm really, really enjoying it. So I've been I've been playing that on stream, and then uh, off stream, uh, No Man's Sky just recently got a pretty big update. Which I don't know. It's very it's very strange with this game because it came out and it was just had this mega hype train behind it, and everybody, you know, well, not everybody, but a lot of people thought that this was going to be like the end all be all of like space games and um you know that this was going to be kind of the last game that you needed to buy and then it came out and it just was plagued with problems it was plagued with a lack of content and uh hello games has been working for the past i believe two years now to like add more content fix the problems and stuff and so they they've put out I think this is their second really big update. I, I believe the first one they did was like called base building update or base, base building expansion, something to that effect. Um, and then this one's just called No Man's Sky Next. And uh, they've added some stuff to it, but I don't know. It's it's weird because the game almost feels... It feels more like a early access game but it's really strange because it feels like an early access game but it's a game that's been on the market as a full release title for like two years now so it's just really strange whoa so i mean what uh 
why is it just what was the new stuff that they added to it um so they added like multiplayer um so now you can basically kind of drop in drop out co-op with uh, up to three of your friends and they can interact with like your base or you guys can all kind of like build a base out together or you know kind of uh go into space and do dog fights and stuff like that I believe they increased the uh, capacity for base building. It's supposed to be like significantly bigger bases and stuff like that that you can build. Um, and they they just put a patch out today that I think is kind of frustrating because it fixed some of the like glitches and bugs that the game had, but they also changed the way that like the farming worked. And in my opinion, they pushed it like really like too far. They pushed it to the point where like farming just really isn't even. There just really doesn't seem to be any point to farming at all anymore. Like the the resources and stuff that you're going to get from it, you can basically just uh, go to you know whatever type of planet has that resource and harvest the resources like twenty times faster than uh, growing them. You know, so it just doesn't really seem to be quite as beneficial. Um, but like it's a catch twenty two because basically what caused them to nerf the streaming or streaming the farming was that uh, basically some people had found a way to make like these ultra super effective farms that you could get like just ridiculous amounts of, of money in the game uh, very, very quickly. You know, within within hours, you could get like millions or maybe hundreds of millions of credits. And they kind of wanted to balance that out to a certain you know extent, which I think is, I mean, like on one hand, I understand it. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, it's, it's a co-op game. So what does it really matter? You know, like it doesn't, it, sh- it shouldn't really matter if somebody really wants to take, and it's not like you can just, you know, make this farm in like a matter of minutes. Like it's still going to take a lot of time to track down all the resources and build these farms out and stuff. So, I mean, to me, I'm just like, you know, if somebody's willing to put in that much work up front on the back end, like, you know, shouldn't they be able to kind of capitalize on making, some money in the game, like some pretty good money in the game. But, you know, I don't know. That, that's kind of, I don't know. It seems to be kind of the trend that I've noticed with games nowadays is they can't figure out how to get content in the games fast enough. So they're like, well, since we can't produce content fast enough, we're just going to hinder everybody's ability to like play the game. And, you know, we're going to, we're going to slow down progression and just make it to where it's like super monotonous grind, you know, to get, really the best stuff in the game because we can't produce content fast enough. And I feel like that's that. And uh, you know, the way that artificial intelligence and gaming is handled is, is stuff that I hope that whatever, whatever the next console generation ends up being, I hope those are kind of the two biggest areas that developers really dial in and focus on is like, how do we make it to where we can just pump out tons of quick quality content or, you know, make content dynamic enough that it can procedurally change itself in a way that's still interesting to players and and not have to just create this situation where it's like you just have to do these nonstop monotonous grinds to really play the game. You know, it's kind of a kind of a unfortunate trend, in my opinion, that, that we're seeing with gaming right now. I mean, is that what they seem to be doing with like... Uh... Like, uh, you know, like you're saying, they don't produce enough content in the time of the release, so they give you a lot of these grinding things to do and then eventually release DLC that you also have to pay for? Um, Sometimes. Um, it, it really depends. Like, the two updates that they've put out for No Man's Sky, they didn't they didn't charge anything for those. And I, I think, 
I think they were in a much uniquer situation than a lot of games, though, because there were a ton of people that were just absolutely livid when the game came out, and they were like, what is this? Like, all this stuff was promised. None of this was delivered on. I didn't quite have that expectation of it. Like, I was looking forward to it, and and I mean, I will certainly agree that there was not nearly enough content to kind of keep me engaged for a long, long time, but I put a good amount of time into it when I first started playing it when it first came out, and I was enjoying my time with it. But, I mean, I I get it on the other hand, too, why there was a lot of people that were just like, hey, like this is not the game that I was sold, and, you know, they lost a ton of their player base very, very quickly. And so I think they've kind of been just working nonstop since then to kind of fix that problem, you know, to kind of bring people back. And uh, I definitely feel like this update is is going to do that for them. But now that they're getting that attention back, like the pressure's on to be like, okay, well, now you got to keep putting content out. Like you've got to you got to find more content and and produce it, and it's got to be good, and you got to keep delivering that. Uh, you look at something and compare and contrast to that, though, which is like Destiny. And yeah, Destiny is is basically doing exactly what you're talking about. They're, they're very little content has come out with the game. Then they pumped out a second game, which, again, to be fair, on one hand, I get why they're calling it a sequel. But on the other hand, it's like, man, this really should have just been like expansion content. It really shouldn't have been a whole new game. But they've kind of developed a horrible track record for themselves of like just, you know, kind of overly exploiting their their player base. Okay. Um, in the sense that like they've kind of so I don't know, there was like this whole thing, controversy kind of thing that happened when the first game came out that, you know, they sold DLC to people that was actually already on the disc at the time that they sold the game. And so that kind of got really bad. And then they put out these, you know, expansions that were, I don't know. I think they were like 20 bucks, but originally there was like some controversy that like you had to basically like rebuy a copy of the game to get like the best uh, edition of the DLC. And so people were like upset about that. And then every time the DLC comes out, like there's very, very minimal content and they're charging you like another $20 for it. And so, like, a lot of people have just really kind of grown tired of, of like, what Bungie and, and, you know, what Bungie has done with Destiny. So it's kind of a bit of both. I, I think it just depends on, you know, the game and the developer, um, you know, because on the opposite side of that, you do have somebody that's, like, um, uh, Digital Extremes who makes Warframe, and, you know, they've kind of continued to pump out uh, content at, at a pretty quick pace, and uh, they don't really charge anything for it because it's a free-to-play game so i mean like they've kind of set the example that it can be achieved it's just a matter of like do bigger developers and publishers want to do that and i think the answer is you know if people are willing to you know buy into games that do what destiny did and and continue to do that then the answer is probably going to stay you know no they're not willing to do that because they're making money but you know, it's 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 a trend that I hope that they can get away from and, and really, you know, as consumers, hopefully we start challenging them to make better and better and more, you know, content versus just restrictively trying to lock people behind these grind walls in order to keep them playing their games for long times, you know? Right. 
Well, I mean, it sounds like you got some interesting stuff going on video game wise and maybe coming up. But uh, you also been talking a lot on your social media about some TV shows you've been watching. Tell me about Barry. Yeah, um, man, like this is so cool. Like, it's a really well, first off, like I just have like such a huge kind of like affinity for, you know, the mythos of like hitmen and, you know, stuff like that. So when I first kind of like found out that that's uh, what the story was about, I was like, oh, right on. Like, I'm I'm already interested in watching this. And then, you know, I read a little bit more and I was like, OK, it's got Bill Hader in it and uh, Henry Winkler in it. Um, and I really enjoy both of them as, as actors. So I was, I was pretty gung ho about checking this out and, uh, I finally got a chance to fire it up and watch it. It's a HBO like exclusive. Um, and it's, it, I, I don't know. It's really like, I don't want to spoil it. So if anybody hasn't seen it and, and you're curious about it, like, you know, stop the podcast right now, go watch it and then come back and listen to it. <laughs> uh, and you'll, you'll be so glad that you did because, it's probably one of the best thought out and executed dark comedy shows that I've probably ever seen. And uh, like the characters that they have, like the way that they deliver the jokes, the timing of them, you know, the way that the jokes come back up like a couple episodes later. And then you also get these, these brief flashes of just really horrible, dark, gritty, realistic moments. But it's like just a brief, you know, it's just like a brief little glimpse of it. And then all of a sudden, like it just snaps you back into like kind of the comedy realm. And it's just balanced and perfected so well. Uh, There's another actor and I, I can't quite remember what his name is. And I feel really bad that I can't remember what his name is at the moment. So yeah, um, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what this guy's name was, but there's another actor that's in the show. Is it Stephen? And uh, uh, maybe is he from is he from Office Space? No, uh, uh, his name is Anthony uh, Kerrigan. Okay, Anthony Kerrigan, and uh, I believe he was in. Uh, oh, um, he's on Gotham. I think he might have played. Yeah, 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 that that there you go. Yeah, but he plays a character in this named uh Noho Hank. As probably in, the best character that's ever been on a TV show ever. As it, in North so, Hollywood. His character is so amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yep, North Hollywood Hank. No, okay. like, but they just call he just calls him Noho Hank. But literally, like the performance, like the lines that he has in the in the show, and again, I don't know how much of that was just like scripted or how much of it's like ad libbed or whatever. But his delivery, like his character characterizations and stuff, just literally probably my favorite character out of out of any show I've seen at least in the last ten years. Like it's it's so well crafted and and like the whole show just so well done. Um, and for those of you who don't know exactly what I'm talking about, it's 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 a show about a hitman. But but here's the the catch behind it is, he's a hitman that doesn't really want to be a hitman, and he kind of doesn't know what he really wants to do with his life. He doesn't really know exactly what his purpose is, and he he has this uh, this other guy named uh, Fuchs who kind of has like coerced him into being an assassin and it kind of acts as like a, a like his manager uh, would, you know, he's kind of like running the business side of things and not really getting his hands dirty. And so uh, Barry, you know, goes out to California to, to do a hit for these clients. 
and he kind of stumbles into this like acting uh, class. And, and from that, he kind of has this like awakening that he wants to be an actor, uh, which of course, you know, if you're trying to be an assassin, you're trying to keep it low key and, you know, not be identified or have people know who you are. Obviously being an actor is, is a horrible thing for that. Right. And so you know, kind of his journey about like, you know, unfolding and discovering all that. And, and there's just so many other things that happen. And, you know, if people haven't seen it, I I cannot recommend that you go watch it enough. I think they actually got nominated for some Emmys. I believe that uh, Henry Winkler and uh, uh, Bill Hader, I think both got nominated for some Emmys, um, which I, I really think that that Anthony Kerrigan should have gotten nominated. Like his performance is just uh, wonderful. But yeah, I, I don't know. Have you watched this at all? Have you seen any of this, or do you know about it, or anything? I knew about it, and I had heard a lot of people talking about it. I I, I myself haven't watched it. Um, no particular reason. I just hadn't gotten around to it yet. Uh, I would definitely check it out uh, as soon as I can. Uh, myself, though, I have been. I I recently caught up on a Netflix show that I think came out last year, and I believe. One of the things is that it's one of the only Netflix shows that has not gotten a second season. Uh, oh. And I believe it's because of, of how much it costs to make an episode of it. But it's called The the Get Down. And oh, okay. Yeah. Have you watched any of this, this show? I don't think so, but maybe. So it's it's essentially the... It's 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 set in New York at the birth of hip hop, so late seventies, and um, I I mean I guess that's probably the one of the reasons why I didn't get around to watching it when it first came out was because I'm not I've never been a big music fan like I've never been interested in that but I do like like the sixties and seventies era. However, this is like mm-hmm. the late seventies, almost into the eighties uh, time period, and. I I just I started I just I don't know started an episode the first episode like a couple of weeks back and I really just fell in love with the characters like um the main character of books like that's his his like street name I guess is the best way to put it his real his mm-hmm. his actual name is Ezekiel Figueroa and uh he's played by a actor by the name I believe his name is Justice let me see if I can get it down but he was recently in uh um uh Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom as the um I guess comic relief he's the 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 he's the the tech guy for Bryce Dallas Howard's character that um like kind of screams a lot whenever the dinosaurs are around but uh-huh. I that's kind of the reason one of the reasons why I didn't want to watch the get down too after cuz I I had seen uh Fall uh Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom first and I just did not like his acting in that but in the get down his name is Justice Smith uh just to get that out there but in the get down okay. man he he is phenomenal like this he literally carries this whole show and I, I don't want to say that as, as as the show is bad, but he does carry the show. He is the main star. He's the main character. You could say that his uh, the other guy in the show is kind of the co-main star with him. Um, the character of Shaolin Fantastic, played by Shamik Moore, who uh, was previously in Dope, 
and will be in um, the Spider-Man Dimensions movie. Uh, I think it's called, or no, Enter the Spider-Verse movie, which has him as the voice oh, of Miles Morales. Looks, huh? That looks so cool. Yeah, yeah. That, that show looks, or that movie looks so cool. Yeah, the animation on that looks amazing. But uh, yeah, the two of them are are pretty fin- pretty fantastic in this in this show. And there's about eleven, I think it's eleven episodes because the season is split into two parts. And it follows these two characters as they essentially become what we know hip hop to be. Eventually, you know, it's uh, Shaolin Fantastic is the DJ. So he, at the very beginning of the, of the season, he's learning how to scratch records and uh, find the beats and find everything you would need to to get the, I guess, the party going or keep the keep the party going. Whereas uh books is the mc and he eventually uh i mean he's already a natural poet and they show that at the beginning where in his he has an assignment in his english class and his teacher like singles him out because she's so impressed with his poem that he wrote and uh then eventually like puts him up for a scholarship to get into yale and all this stuff and like i've never been a big fan of poetry either but like the way that it all flows so easily through this character. It, it, it was pretty amazing. Like I, I really enjoyed that. So all that set to the historic era of, you know, New York, Brooklyn, Bronx area, uh, in that time period, I would imagine that's probably what cost the most was trying to make, make it look like, uh, make their sets look like that area of New York at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably cost them a whole bunch. But you have other you have other actors in this that are great. Uh, Jimmy Smith plays a character in this. Jaden Smith plays one of the other uh, guys that are that's in the the group that they form to called the Get Down Brothers. Yeah, kind of thing. Um, up and coming. I don't know up and coming actor, but definitely an actor that I am noticing a lot more now. Yaya Abdul Martin the second. He plays Cadillac in the show, but he is. He is going to be in Aquaman later this year as Black Manta, and he was recently in um, The Greatest Showman, which I've talked many times about loving. Um, he was in there as W.D. Wheeler, one of the uh, the acrobats in the in the show. But yeah, like I keep seeing him show up in more and more things as now that I've seen the the get down, and it's it's pretty amazing. Nice. Yeah, I was gonna ask if like what what you thought made it so expensive, but yeah, as soon as you go, like, oh, it's kind of like a period piece. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, that that makes perfect sense as to why it's like that expensive because everything like I've ever heard is like you know period pieces are really expensive to to film, um, and I can imagine if they're trying to you know kind of transition that and make that all look like old school New York that that can get pretty expensive pretty quickly. I would imagine. Yeah. Exactly. And then they also have historic like uh, um, events that happen throughout the show. Like um, there's a huge heat wave that hits in the second or third episode. And this was a like I was watching something else and I forget what it was, but they were talking about this heat wave and how it essentially helped birth the hip hop as well. Because in this heat wave, it knocks out all of the power like to all mm-hmm. of New York mm-hmm. and because all the power gets knocked out, uh, everybody goes and starts um, not writing, but uh, 
looting, looting uh, uh, electronic stores. And before this, like, at this point in time, if you were to get a set of turntables, it would it cost you a whole bunch. It's you know two hundred, three hundred dollars, and in the seventies or whatever, it's it it's super. That's too expensive for people to to own. But when people started looting, like just about everybody had these turntables now. And so people were, you know, creating new hip hop sound and, and stuff like that. And essentially it, it kind of helped birth the movement of it. Like out of disco came hip hop. Wait, so this like heat wave caused everybody to go like start like looting places and that they like just stole a bunch of turntables and then started making music? Yeah, indirectly. So the heat wave, so heat wave hits and everybody's running their air conditioners, right? Well, Con Ed is uh, the electric company over there, and it's wait, you know, it's being taxed super bad because everybody's running these uh, these air conditioners all day long, trying to keep cool, and it just knocks out the power grid. And so when the power the power goes out, people go crazy. They start looting, and you see this in the show too. Like the our our heroes, quote unquote, um, they essentially go to a club, uh, a club owned by. Uh, the character of Cadillac that I mentioned earlier, that he's not a very good guy. He's actually a, a terrible guy. But they steal the turntables and the sound equipment of this nightclub and they set it up for themselves. Like it to start so that they can they can start doing their songs and their beats and their their, you know, their tracks. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Strange thing, huh? That is yeah, that's. Uh, I wonder, like, if that's at all kind of true. Like, if that is kind of how it like went down. Yeah, no. It. I mean, from what I understand, because I, like I said, I was watching something else, and they brought up this specific uh, event as the the birth of hip hop because of this heat wave. Like, it was funny because I had I had watched the episode of the Get Down, and then I watched this other thing, and I, I swear to God, I can't remember what it was, but the the person that was talking was talking about that exact event and it's not like they were talking about the show they were just talking about the historic event yeah so i huh. yeah if uh, i would say that you know if people have not had a chance to watch the show it's unfortunate that there's not going to be another season because the show like where it ends it definitely gives you some a good amount of closure for your main character of books but just about everybody yeah. else, every other character in the show is kind of left loose and open. And you want to know what, what's going on with those characters. And, and the fact that the show takes place in the 70s, it, it also has uh, interstitial moments where you're seeing the character of books as an adult. And he is, uh, he is a, um, uh, uh, a famous uh, rapper, I guess is the best way to put it, per rapper performer. And he's, he's doing a performance for a large... Uh, stadium crowd, like I'm, I'm talking about a, a, a mega famous performer at this point in his life, and it's played by uh, David Diggs. David mm -hmm. Diggs. I'm sorry, I said the name incorrectly. Uh, recently in Blind Spotting, which I've heard is a great movie, I haven't got to see it myself, and I guess most famous for being in Hamilton, playing Thomas Jefferson. Uh, oh, right on. Yeah. So obviously, his story eventually, and and as uh, David Diggs as books in this concert setting is kind of moving forward the story through his lyrics as he sings and raps. Um, so 
it's 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 showing you that eventually he gets to this point in his life, but uh, you know we don't get to know any of that because the show got canceled. Oh, dude, that sucks. Yeah, that's what I was gonna ask. I didn't realize it got canceled. I was just say like, so they just they've already said they're just not gonna do another one at all. Yeah, yeah, I remember reading that uh, before I had started watching the show. That yeah, they weren't gonna do another season of uh, the Get Down, which. I think it's very unfortunate, but I can understand if it, if it's really expensive to to make. Well, yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like if it if it's just astronomically expensive, then you know it kind of makes sense that they're not gonna have the ability to really like stick with it long term. Which you know it does suck, but it happens, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it, it definitely happens. So. Uh... Was there anything else that you've been watching that you'd like to talk about? Uh, man, I'm trying to think. Um, I feel like I've just been crazy busy and that I really haven't done much in the way of like uh, engaging in like entertainment type stuff, which <laughs> is kind of unfortunate, but um, but happens nonetheless. Oh, right? yeah, of course. I mean, um, what, one of the things I would love for you to see if you haven't already, because I know... I'm pretty sure I remember you liking the original the original movie a lot, but have you have you checked out Cobra Kai yet on YouTube? No, or I at, I haven't. As it's as it's newly named YouTube Premium, no longer YouTube YouTube Red. Oh oh well, that's probably good. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was so weird when they did that. They were like, "Oh, today we're coming out with YouTube Red," and I'm like, "That just sounds like." the adult version of stuff, you know, like when they do like the red band trailer and, and yeah. all that kind of stuff, you're like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's quite the right, uh, term you want to go with there, YouTube. <laughs> and, uh, it sounds like they kind of thought about it and was like, yeah, we really don't want to use this. No. Yeah. I have not seen it. I've, I've heard, um, I've heard some mixed things about it though. Really? So I'm curious. Yeah. See, I loved it. I watched, uh, all 10 episodes. I think it was 10 episodes. Uh, you know, as, as soon as they came out, like I kind of binged the whole thing uh, over the 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 period of two days, I believe. And yeah, uh, I thought it was great. Uh, they announced that they were doing season two already, and I'm excited for that. I loved the way that they kind of played up the story from the first one or from the original mm-hmm. movie, and then like kind of put you at opposite ends because and then you give a whole you get a whole lot of backstory to uh johnny lawrence's character uh the reason why he was the way he was and and you kind of have to do that because he's kind of the the main character for this this series uh right ralph macchio as daniel larusso is in the show and he he is a very pivotal part of the show but yeah you're definitely falling around johnny lawrence's character a lot more uh throughout the show and how he starts training Essentially, the kids that he picked on in high school, the outsiders, the the quote unquote losers, the geeks, you know, he starts training those kids so that they can stand up for themselves and get confidence and stuff like that. But the way he trains them is definitely different than the way that Mr. Miyagi trained Daniel. Like he, uh, tough love would would be putting it mildly. It's just kind of mm-hmm. tough in general. So. Uh, Just kind of like insane. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know, that's hilarious. Daniel Daniel Larusso also has a uh, has two kids. He ha- he has a daughter. 
Um, and then uh, Johnny Lawrence is, also has a kid, and he has a son, and his son kind of ends up training under Daniel LaRusso's character, and you can see where that kind of tension goes. And it's, I thought it, I thought it really played out well. You, I mean, you obviously have to. I don't want to say tongue in cheek, but you have to be able to be like, I understand what this is, kind of thing. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I really think it's fun. No, that makes sense. I think it's creative. I think uh, it's. I think it was definitely enjoyable. That's what I why I wouldn't have like binge through the whole thing if it wasn't. So, uh, if you like the first, uh, the original movie, and they do throw in references to the other three movies, I want to say. Uh, so you should, you should definitely give it a try. Yeah, I, uh, I'll definitely have to check it out. Cause I had, I had kind of heard, uh, like I said, I had heard some like mixed things. Right. But, um, but no, I'm definitely intrigued by like what you're saying. I'm really curious to kind of check it out and see what it's all about. Like, it really sounds like it's an interesting, uh, like approach, and kind of a different take on the whole thing, you know, cause like, it's so like you said in the first one, he's kind of more of like an, um, it's kind of more of like an antagonist. Well, yeah, like the antagonist. He's kind of more of the antagonist of the, of the first movie. Right. Uh, whereas it sounds like in this, he's, he's more of the antagonist, which I think is he's the uh, really interesting actually. Yeah. Or the protagonist. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. I think that's really kind of a cool thing too. Cause because I don't know, you get that vibe from him that like he's not real. I mean, like he's kind of a, a jerk, but he's always kind of like an unsure jerk. You know, it's more of like the the sensei at Cobra Kai that kind of comes off as just like a colossal d bag. You know, um, so I think it is kind of interesting that they're going back and giving you like some subplot and story about you know why he maybe did some of the things he did in that movie. So I'll definitely have to check that out for sure. Yeah, you should. Um. Well, let's let I mean let's talk about a couple of the summer blockbuster movies then. I, I know you said you haven't got to see a lot, so I might end up talking a lot more. But uh, how about Avengers: Infinity War? What was your overall thought? How did you feel about that? Um. Uh, okay, <laughs> so I should maybe preface this because every time I've talked about it, I feel like I have to. I feel like I have to say this. Um, and it, it is, it's true. I mean, I'm not saying it just to say it, but the thing with Infinity War for me is I am the biggest problem for myself and that movie. And what I mean by that is, is that for whatever reason, I can't detach the part of my brain that like knows about how stuff works and knows that this is an industry and knows that like all the stuff they did is really going to just be invalidated in like another movie or two because obviously stuff happens and there's no way they can leave that stuff happen because they're making too much money with certain things that they're they're just not going to ever do it and then i i think to me it it kills a lot of the mystique and lore and and stuff that i i wanted from it and you know, I think that that's what kind of inherently made Game of Thrones such a huge phenomenon was that really no one in that that series was safe. Um, you know, if you fell in love with a character, you ran the risk of that character just straight up being murdered. And uh, it didn't matter how important they seemed to the story or to the world. Like there was still always that real drama and tension and the stakes of them being eradicated from the show. And you don't really have any of that at all at all in infinity war like you look at it and you're like well 
they signed a contract for like nine movies. So they're only like two or three in. They're obviously not dead. Um, and, you know, there's that. And then there's just all these like little nitpicky things that go on in my my head where I'm like, that's just stupid. Like these people are supposed to be elite heroes. There's no way they would make such a stupid decision, a stupid decision like that. And that they wouldn't have thought of this or that, that this would have actually played out this way. Like there's just no way that I buy that from these characters that we've been setting up for like 10 years and you've come to know them pretty well. And you're like, there's just no way that would play out like that. And so I am the biggest problem from my experience watching that movie. I understand that. But I was still really disappointed with it. I, I I think a lot of people were just completely like blown away and flabbergasted by it. And I, I tip my hat to Disney Marvel for doing something that's never been done in film, uh, which is, you know, totally building up to this huge event over the past decade, which is which is insane to say. Like, it's totally crazy to say that that even happened, that, you know, they literally have been connecting these worlds and stuff through film for 10 years. Like, that's never happened that way, you know? Um, and I want to love it. I want to love it so much, but it, it just really did not hit the marks for me, unfortunately. I, I, you know, I, I can't say I'm surprised. Uh, I myself am one of those people that you talked about that was flabbergasted and, and loved the movie. I loved just about every minute of it. I did exactly the same thing though. When, you know, when it came to the dusting and all the, the people, you know, poofing away. I was like, uh, obviously they're going to be back. There's no way that you can have a uh, the black. You can have T'Challa die when there's, we know that there's going to be Black Panther two, Doctor Strange two, Spider Man two. Like, it's it's hard. But but then again, I'm a you know Guardians three, Guardians three. Well, you know that's I don't know that might <laughs> with recent events that might not be happening. Who knows what's going to happen there. But oh, I don't, I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll pull the plug on the movie. I, I think the movie's still gonna go forward. I don't know. I think, I think there's a lot to be discussed there. Because honestly, well, that I don't know. That I think that's a whole other podcast. We can talk about that some other time. But totally uh, understandable. <laughs> uh, I, I just know that I think reading comic books is that no one ever stays dead anyways. So I didn't really have a problem with that. However, I do think some characters will stay dead. Like Loki, I think will, will stay dead. I think, uh, Gamora might end up staying dead. Uh, I don't know. I, I definitely think that I enjoyed the movie. And I think that the fact that this, the second part to the movie, if you want to call it that will is, is only coming out a year later. And, uh, they they plan that out so well that I'm impressed. So I think everything hinges on that Avengers Four movie, whatever it's going to be about or whatever it's going to be called. So uh, I'm I'm still excited and I I, I enjoyed the movie a lot. I, I thought it was a great way to start summer for me. Yeah, no, like I said, I mean I get it. I I totally get you know people enjoying it. It just I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't connect with me, unfortunately, for for whatever reason. I, Fair I enough. wish it did. I really <laughs> wish it did. Like it's not that I like. That's the thing, right? Is like I I I talk about it. I feel like so many people just think that like I'm hating on it just to hate on it, and I'm really not. Like I really was looking forward to it, and I I wanted it to be something, and it just unfortunately wasn't for me, you know? And and I get it. Like I said, I know it's me. I know I am the problem. (laughs) Like, I 
totally understand all of that, you know? No problem. So uh, going forward in the summer, there was the Overboard remake with Anna Ferris and Eugenio Debruz. De I, I don't know how to, if I said his I, I said his name wrong. I know that for a fact. But uh, this is the gender swapped um, remake of the 1987 Overboard with Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell. And you mm -hmm. know, I would definitely say that that storyline is very much something that is of the 80s and should stay there uh, because you know redoing that kind of idea into modern times definitely brings up a lot of like eh, is this actually okay what we're doing what we're portraying here all that being said the movie was was pretty meh like i think that the, it doesn't hit the right comedic notes that you want and remember from the other one keeping with the almost exact same story that you remember from the first one so and that and that's kind of the the hard thing to do with remakes when you do stuff like this like how much do you do shot for shot remake and then how much do you try and interject new and then like what kind of changes do you make and i mean what's going to make it so that people want to see it and what's going to make it so that people are like not upset that they wasted their money because they could have just went and watched the original no i think all that makes sense and i mean that's a really difficult question to i think answer as a filmmaker before you even make a movie right is i, I think it's really curious because and maybe not so much with like overboard because I, you know, I doubt there's like a bunch of like die hard, like purists for overboard, but you know, like you look at something like ghostbusters, right. And like you have, they have to have that conversation to a certain extent where, you know, they sit there and they go, okay, well, how much of this can we change and still be faithful to what people loved about the original? And, you know, I, I think that's a really interesting conversation point to bring up about that. Yeah. And so you felt like this one did change enough to be interesting, but just unfortunately didn't go in the right direction to be interesting or no, I think that I think that the way that they changed it was their, their, the whole gender swapping part. So that, you know, Anna Ferris is playing the Kurt Russell part and Eugenio is playing the uh, Goldie Hawn part. Like mm -hmm. it, it's the best way that they could have done that without it being, <laughs> seeming way too uh, uh, rapey, I guess, is the best way to, for me to put it. Because uh, oh, right? if you remember in the original, Kurt Russell, I mean, eventually has sex with Goldie Hawn. She doesn't remember who she is. She's doing it under false pretenses. She she thinks that she's married to him, and obviously she's not. Uh, and in this one, they, they kind of follow the same thing. She, uh, Anna Ferris, if I remember correctly, she does eventually sleep with the guy but in our culture for some reason we don't see that as a negative as much when it's male to female i guess or female to male i don't know no i mean you're 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 right like we I, it was crazy because uh so i i went to um i went to new york and uh i don't know this is kind of like a side thing but like it it, it correlates to what you're talking about because i think it's it's really interesting to me right but so we were, I was in New York and uh, I was on a tour bus. It was taking us through, you know, the city and it was doing all this stuff. And you know, we got to this one part of town and uh, <laughs> there was a, a lady and a guy in, in the street, like, or on the sidewalk or whatever. And she was yelling at him and, you know, every, and like, he didn't hit her or anything like that. But I remember seeing it and just thinking like, you know, God, please don't let her, or please don't let him hit her right now. You know what I mean? That, that was my very first thought. 
um, because it was obviously getting really heated and she kind of started shoving him. And I was like, oh gosh, like, please don't hit her. Like, this is going to be really bad. But then, like, she had this, like, industrial, like, dustpan thing. And she just starts beating the crap out of this dude with this giant metal, like, dustpan thing. Wow. And it's, like, this whole tour bus of people. And she's like, leave me alone. Leave me alone. And, like, he's not even, like, really kind of trying to defend himself. And so, like, all these people on the tour bus kind of start chanting, like, leave her alone. And I'm like, wait a second, this dude is getting the crap beat out of him. And like, nobody's, nobody's even the slightest bit concerned for this guy. Like the only thing that anyone worried about was that this lady was left alone. And I'm like, she's beating the crap out of another human being with a metal rod. Like there should be something where we're like, wait, like this isn't appropriate or good either. Like this is, this is every bit as bad as if he would have hit her. Like this is, this is not good. Yes. Everybody should not hit anyone no one should hit yes. anyone ever <laughs> exactly keep your hands to your darn selves people <laughs> uh okay so then after that came tully uh new movie from jason reitman and uh writer diablo cody uh starring charlie theron and, and Mackenzie davis uh, had you seen this or heard anything about it um no i don't i don't uh, i don't think so so uh charlie's theron is playing a for the third time new mother because she gives birth at the beginning of the movie uh you definitely see that having and and her son her second child has um I don't know how to say it. He's essentially autistic. He's got issues in that area and having to deal, having to having two young children and then a, a newborn, she gets very exhausted. So her brother uh, played by Marcus Duplass is offered to pay for a, what is called a night nanny. Someone essentially that will take care of the baby at night, only wake you up so that you can feed the baby so that you can get rest. And she she eventually gets this uh, night nanny, played by Mackenzie, who's uh, the title character of Tully. And uh, um, Charlie Theron's character, uh, Marla, Marlo, is, you know, starts to get the sleep that she needs, you know, starts to becoming her old self, you know, and uh, eventually she starts talking to the Tully character and... Uh, you know they they get a very close relationship she's able to open up to her about her relationship with her husband played by Ron Livingston and uh you know her everyday life and stuff like that and it's a it's an interesting movie i i enjoyed it for the most part but you know there's definitely things that i can't relate to because i neither have children nor am i someone who just gave birth so right yeah it's understandable yeah uh, It'd be weird I, if you did, though. Yeah, right. Exactly. So it's, it, I mean, definitely give it a watch. It's, it's interesting, and um, you know, it's, it's, it's something to keep an eye out for those pe- people in your life that uh, don't seem like they're struggling for anything, but they might actually have some kind of struggle going on. No, I mean, that's that's good. That's really good advice. Yeah. Uh, after that, I saw Breaking In. It's the new movie with Gabrielle Union. Um, it's, it's it's essentially uh, Gabrielle Union's character's father passes away. 
She inherits his house that's out in the woods. Uh, she goes to the house to kind of clean it up, get it ready to be sold. As she's there, people break in to try and rob the place because there's something that her father had in the safe. Uh, it turns out to be like $4 million in cash for some reason. As she's, yeah, as she's there, she finds out that her father had a uh, the house be like it's all automated. Everything's smart house about it, and it's got lockdown procedures and stuff like that. So as she's outside when uh, these guys are breaking in, her children are inside, and the whole place goes into lockdown. So she has to get in to save her children. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah, and, and she does a great job. She, I mean, she. You know, there's lot, there's points in the movie where you think that oh she's gonna break down, she's gonna be this helpless mother, this helpless lady kind of thing, and then she she focuses herself. She's obviously super intelligent, not super intelligent. She's intelligent, has is very much focused and uh, has purpose and and is very capable of what it, all the things that she has to do to to deal with these guys. And it's very much action packed and uh, a good little. Uh, home invasion thriller kind of thing going on hmm. uh life of the party with Melissa mccarthy is uh, kind of a update uh, updated version of back to school with rodney dangerfield this time Melissa mccarthy uh joint returns to college to uh kind of get her life back together after her husband uh divorces her for a younger woman and uh she ends up like being in the same sorority with her daughter at college and you know, college hijinks ensue. Not the best movie really, but uh, it's got, it's got its laughs. Right. Uh, Terminal with Margot Robbie, Simon Pegg, Mike Myers, which I thought was strange because I haven't heard Mike Myers, name in so long. Uh, being attached to a movie, like actually being out. Like I've heard him talk about wanting to make another Austin Powers movie for so long, but nothing seems to have happened with that. And this movie is kind of out there. It's it's got it's it's got a lot of uh, Alice in Wonderland imagery, and uh, it's kind of got that whole psychedelic vibe going on, and. You don't really know what's going on for most of it until I would say probably two thirds of the way in, and then you kind of start piecing the stuff together and you understand, oh, okay. It's an it's a different type of movie, so I like the fact that it took big swings. I just don't think that they hit. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it kind of tried some stuff, but just didn't really didn't really pan out. Right. Exactly. Well enough. And I think this is like one of the first movies that Margot Robbie has made with her her production company. I think the first movie she made was the Tanya Harding movie that she she had come out. Or I Tanya. And I think this yeah. is I think this is another one of them. So uh you know, more power to her for doing bigger things. Big trying bigger things. Uh Deadpool two. You're a huge Deadpool fan. Did you see Deadpool two? I did. I did actually get to watch that one. <laughs> and what'd you think? Um, I, you know, I uh, I had fun with it. Um, obviously, it it is it is definitely not really up to par with with the first one. But that's kind of that's kind of standard, though. Really, with with sequels anymore. Um, but it's it was fun. It's a fun movie. Uh, you know, I don't know. There, it's a little. 
so like the whole situation with like his um his like lover right or, or you know his his love interest or whatever vanessa like it was kind of yeah it was just kind of weird how they just showed him going to visit dead her like over and over again i felt like that was just way overdone in the movie um the whole like assembling of x-force and like how that all plays out i thought was pretty funny uh domino was a really cool character i thought cable was really well done as well uh, with josh brolin i really liked him as cable um so yeah, I, I don't know. Like, overall, I just I, I had fun with it. it. It definitely had some flaws and some problems, uh, but but overall, I I did enjoy it. Like I had a I had a fun time watching it. The uh, Celine Dion song that uh, he had that she made for for the movie, I thought was pretty uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> but um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's it was fun. I, I mean, I think that's kind of all i could really say about it without getting too like super spoiler uh spoiler based oh i i don't think there's i mean i i, I haven't been worrying about spoilers but if you if you don't want to talk, you say anything that's fine uh i think it was interesting that you said you didn't like it as much as the first one because i did i thought it, i thought i enjoyed it just as much as i enjoyed the first one uh i loved all the cameos and interesting parts of the story like the the uh you know, direct from the comic book parts of the story that Deadpool definitely makes reference to. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the only things that I didn't like, so I'm still not a big fan of Josh Brolin. I did not, I don't think I enjoyed his interpretation of Cable all that much. But my biggest problem with this movie was the actor that plays Fire Fist. I just do not like him. I did not think he was interesting. Uh, I know that he also made uh, his appearance in the the what we do in the shadows. I think right, uh, Taika Waititi's movie about vampires. I think, I think that's yeah. I think that was that. I think so. Or was it the other one, the spinoff, like the the werewolf one, the wilder or not the wilder people? That's something else, right? I don't know. Oh yeah, I don't remember. He's, he's, he's a New Zealander, and I just I did not like his performance. I didn't like what he did, what the choices he made, if those were his choices. Every moment that he was on screen, I was just like, this is terrible. But that being said, (laughs) I enjoyed just about everything else about the movie. Uh, Up until probably the end credit scenes when we started doing the time travel stuff. And I'm like, well, what does this exactly mean then for the movie? And what does that mean for going forward? And I think that's the biggest dilemma because what does that mean going forward for X-Force, Deadpool 3, uh, Fox in general being absorbed into Disney now? Uh, I don't know. So, I think that's kind of the good thing about that is that it paradoxically opens up the ability for them to really go do whatever they want or whatever they need to do with the character and for it to still make sense. Um it is kind of a contrivance cop out to to take that route though, right? Cuz like now like obviously you can bring all of X-Force back, you can bring Vanessa back. Um, you know, you can do all of those things and basically invalidate everything you did in the first two movies. But like with the you know, forethought of saying, which I'm not saying that they necessarily knew all of this going into it, but like with the forethought of being like, well, we don't really know what's going to happen with Disney Fox. So, you know, if we do this, it really allows us to kind of do anything we want. And I think it also, unfortunately, um, 
allows them to also potentially revisit and and completely alter the entire dynamics of um, the X Men movies uh, as well. You know what I mean? Like you totally just threw a wrench in all of the uh, timeline and and stuff for that. So I, I I feel like that's kind of why they did it. But yeah, I definitely don't know exactly what that's gonna do for the rest of the film continuity and timelines and stuff. Like it's going to be really (laughs) curious to see what they, what they have in store. And then, you know, you throw in the fact that he goes so far back in time that he kills Ryan Reynolds as he picks up the script for green lantern, which is just really far out there. It's like, what are we saying now at this point? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see what that means, what all that means that uh, when the, if, if the next movie comes, when the next movie comes, yeah, uh, no, very, very true. Uh, up- very, very true. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really curious to see what they're going to do, though. Yeah. Uh, Upgrade was the next movie uh, I saw, which... <laughs> so, <laughs> I think it's funny is that everybody's kind of calling this the the prototype or tech, tech version of Venom. And the fact that you have yeah. Logan Marshall Green starring in this movie, who often gets mistaken for Tom Hardy... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's all very, very funny, but the movie itself was great. It is, it is super gory at times and very brutal in its fight scenes, but the idea I thought was amazing. I thought the, um, execution was great. Uh, I, I can't wait to see more from this, uh, Lee Wannell, uh, the director, because I think, uh, the director, whether that's a male or female, I have no idea, did a great job in portraying what would happen if, if this technology actually existed and uh, was put into a person that was paraplegic like this. So uh, I th- you, I know you said you wanted to see it. You hadn't seen it, but uh, you should definitely, if you get a chance to check it out. Yeah, I really, really did want to watch this. I, I did feel the same way. Like, it's funny because, like, when you watch the trailer, there's even a scene where he's, like, about to get into a fight in, like, his apartment slash kitchen. And the, like, upgrade thing is, like, let me have complete control. And, like, there's almost a shot-for-shot thing like that in the Venom trailer. Yeah. <laughs> where he's in his apartment at his house, and it's just like, let me take control. And he's like, okay. And then he's making, like, the same facial expressions. <laughs> like, literally, if you watch the two of them side by side, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like, this <laughs> is the same movie. Like, this is crazy. Uh, uh, next thing I saw was Ocean's 8. The... It's funny because, you know, you, you see it as Ocean's 8, and you see the reason why they called it 8 is because they're going to do 8, 9, and 10, so there would be prequels to Ocean's 11. However, this doesn't take place before Ocean's 11. This takes place after Ocean's 13 uh, with uh, Sandra Bullock as playing Danny Ocean's sister, you know, originally played by, or not originally, but in the most recent remake, played by George Clooney. Um, but... Not directed by Steven Soderbergh, which obviously for those the that other trilogy, Steven Soderbergh plays a big part in why those movies are great. Now, Gary Ross, I think the director of this movie, did is the best he could to imitate that look that Soderbergh goes for. Mm-hmm. Just doesn't quite hit. And I think that's why it I, I got my personally, I got taken out of the movie often. Because it's things that didn't 
it seemed off at, at certain points. However, I think the performances by all of these actresses was amazing, including James Corden, who did a great job uh, as this kind of uh, bumbling investigator, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, right. Yeah, insurance investigator. So I, I would say that if you like these, uh, these actors, actresses, you should definitely give the movie a try. Other than that, the the heist of it all was still good, just not the best that it could have been. Nice, yeah. I uh, I'll definitely have to watch it. I, I was interested to see kind of what they did with that too, and it, it it definitely sounds like it's at least worth a watch. Yeah. Uh, Hotel Artemis. Uh, yeah, this movie was a very big letdown for me. I was maybe, and that's 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 might be completely on myself. But what I was sold from the trailer is definitely not what I got in the movie. And I feel like there was a lot of points, story points that they left unresolved by the time you get to the end of the movie that it, so that it just doesn't quite make sense. And then you really just have all these characters, all these actors, cameo actors coming in and out of the story just to be like, hey, I was in the movie. Like, they're, for no good reason. Like, they, the, their characters aren't developed or... Uh, closed correctly if, if that makes any sense yeah no that totally makes sense yeah that's really unfortunate that that's how that played out though i do think the idea for the movie is is great the concept um obviously it's kind of like the the concept you get of the continental from john wick movies but right it's it's a little bit less grandiose i want to say uh and i that's kind of what i wanted to see but we don't spend enough time with that idea. Hmm. Uh, yeah. It, it's funny you mentioned that too. Cause like, as soon as I, it, it's kind of almost like the venom, uh, you know, venom situation, venom upgrade situation, right. It is that you're like, Oh, this like premise is literally the continental from <laughs> right. John wick. Like it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I, I, that's what uh, I, I don't know if that's what I was expecting the Continental, but I really thought I I really thought I wasn't because I was expecting something l- I was less in in scale than the Continental, and that's what I kind of wanted, but I didn't get. Uh, the Incre- oh, that makes sense. The Incredibles two came out June fifteenth. Uh, you know, is a movie that a lot of people were saying fourteen years in the making. For you know, you're waiting for the sequel for fourteen years, and jeez, uh, I have to say I enjoyed it. I enjoyed just about every bit of it i like that they focus so much on uh the helen parr character or elastigirl and how she is ripe for being the face of bringing back superheroes the only thing that i didn't enjoy is that they set it up so that uh it's it takes place exactly right where the first movie ends and we still don't get a lot of resolution in any of the things that they set up like we at the end of this movie we still have this whole superheroes are not being accepted kind of problem and you know uh what is i mean what does it mean going forward and and then we have this whole thing where we focus on uh bob or robert parr having to stay home with the kids while his wife is doing the superheroing and they try and, I don't know, the way that they force this on you, it doesn't really paint the character of Bob in a good light. It, 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 you know, they're doing this, like, 
Michael Keaton did this in the you know in the eighties with Mr. Mom, and that's kind of what they're trying to do with this whole Mr. Mom superhero thing or super Mr. Mom kind of thing. But it doesn't mm-hmm. quite work out well, I don't think. So it leaves that into that side of the story kind of like uh, I leave for, for me, obviously for me. I don't know what the, what's going on here, and I didn't like it. So the but the Helen part, you know, the Elastic Girl part of the story was great. It was all the set pieces were amazing. You know, the action sequences, the 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 storytelling, I thought were was good. You just there's a lot of weak parts on the other side no that makes complete perfect sense i think yeah uh then you have tag tag is ed helms john ham jeremy renner uh hannibal barris jake johnson you know this movie i had so much fun watching i don't understand why it got such poor reception i think the idea of just you know a close knit friends still trying to i mean yeah tag just seems like very childish and dumb but like just the fact that they're still hanging out and and doing stuff together i thought was great and then you have a lot of very good comedic actors in this movie and they're all playing off of each other each other really well so i i had a lot of fun with it there's not much to it though there's not a lot to the story there's not a lot to the to everything about it but i thought it was directed well i thought the comedic actors brought their their a games it's not like anybody really phoned it in you know everybody mm-hmm. was there and 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 was seemingly having a good time so i had a good time nice yeah that's like based loosely off a true story too isn't it yeah yeah exactly and then at the end of the movie they play a lot of footage of the actual guys that these these guys are kind of loosely portraying and you <laughs> You could tell that they're not doing any of the stuff that the these guys were doing in the sh- in the movie, like you know Jeremy Renner's <laughs> character of being master parkour guy, you know, jumping and flipping and doing all kinds of stuff. Like the guy that he's portrayed is not doing any of that because <laughs> uh, he's a middle aged dude. It's just like it's not happening. But you still sure. get the idea that you know these guys wear costumes and play elaborate pranks on each other to get the tag. So. It's uh, right. it's it's still fun to think about. Then came Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and I I don't know if we talked about it on this show, but I know we've talked about it in our lives that I was not a big fan of yeah. Jurassic World. That movie right. bored me to tears, and this was not much better. Like I felt Ooh. like I felt like they made a lot of bonehead decisions with this movie that make absolutely no sense and then throw in a giant twist at the end with a character that you don't care about so you're just like what i i don't understand like it's the only one of the only things i liked about it was uh rafe spile is in this movie and then at the end i'm sorry spoilers he kind of he ends up being he ends up being a bad guy and i'm just like I liked his character and the fact that he made him the bad guy just sucks. So that oh. was, yeah, it's, it, I don't know this. It, I feel like it really felt like the second half to this movie is all set up to the next movie instead of just focusing on this movie. Well, and I think it's like a, it's, it's kind of like a hard pill to swallow sometimes too, because you think back to the very original, 
uh, Jurassic Park. And like that movie is just so well put together and, oh, and really so is. well scripted and executed. Um, you know, and I think it was just kind of like a phenomenon that they struck gold, so to speak, with the um, Jurassic World, you know, reboot type thing or, or kind of like, you know, breathing life back into the franchise again. But, you know, once they did that and it, it grossed like a billion dollars in the box office, I was like, oh, great. OK, well, here's coming. We're going to get two more of these now, like guaranteed, <laughs> because it just made a bunch of money. And like, I feel like that's kind of a problem with like the industry right now in, in, in general is that, you know, anytime you have something that comes out and does well, it's like, OK, well, we're going to milk that cow to death now. And it's like, yeah, you got kind of lucky with the other one, but maybe just let let it go. You know, let it be done now. Like, let's let's let the dinosaurs finally be extinct and like, let's <laughs> move on. You know, we don't I don't think we need two more jurassic movies at this point you know and you know i think one of the weirdest things too about the whole um marketing for this movie because if you watch the trailers for this movie who is very prominent in all these trailers jeff goldblum and his character of malcolm ian guess guess how much of the movie he's actually in enough to cover what he's in that trailer that's about it. Dang, what? he is in that movie for uh, i would say a total of maybe six minutes so he probably shot all of his scenes in one afternoon like yeah oh man and it's <laughs> it's ridiculous it's it's i mean jeff goldblum is just counting you know his paycheck off of that and laughing his ass to the bank because it was bad that's that's rough man that's super rough and then once again you just have these two characters played by Jessica Chastain and Chris Pratt, who, or I'm sorry, not Jessica Chastain. My, I am, comp- I am so sorry. I said that. Bryce Dallas Howard, Bryce Dallas Howard, and Chris Pratt, and two very good actors in their own right, but I absolutely do not care about these characters at all in this movie. Like I felt like mm-hmm. there was nothing relatable about them. There's nothing interesting about them. They're just there, and nothing happens. <clears throat> Yeah, that uh, I could totally, I could completely see that happening. Like to be honest with you, and I think that that's the the problem. You know, is like once you get something that was successful, like they just rush another one out without really putting a lot of time or effort into, you know, making sure that it's got what it needs to be a great movie. You know? Yeah. No, it's exactly how I feel. All right, so you weren't too impressed with uh, Avengers Infinity War. Uh, I have to assume that you also didn't go and see Ant-Man and the Wasp, which, how did you feel about the original Ant-Man? I, you know, I enjoyed the original Ant-Man. I am actually a really big fan of Paul Rudd. Um, I, I like him as an actor quite a bit. And uh, I, I really did want to watch Ant-Man. It's, uh, it's not that I am like, you know, oh, well, F Marvel, like I'm just done, like, <laughs> It's not like that. I I just didn't get the opportunity to go watch it. And I really did want to see it because I think out of kind of all the the characters, um, Ant-Man, I think, is the one that they have kind of the most like freedom to do kind of like these lunatic, like lunatic, crazy things with, you know, like the the whole uh, what is it? Uh, Tommy's the Thomas the train thing or whatever in the first one and like his kids room where like the giant train or is that in the second one I, I, I might be getting the trailer confused no that's for the first movie one now. 
Okay, it is, right? Okay, yeah. yeah. So like, you get those like crazy moments, and I think that that's absolutely like wonderful and really cool. And so I really did want to go watch it, especially because like I have this, I have this theory that like he's going to be the bridge between getting kind of everyone back in the next Infinity War. That you know they're going to rely on him heavy heavily, whether it's like utilizing the quantum realm or whatever. But like I think he's going to be a major major player in like the next. Um, you know, part of the infinity war. And so I, I did want to watch it. I just didn't get the opportunity, did you, but you watched it. Yes, I did. And I, I would definitely say that once you do see Ant-Man and the Wasp, you'll see where that bridge is definitely, they, they definitely left it open for that bridge that you speak of. Uh, I also wanted to say that I, I loved the first one. I think the, the first Ant-Man is a great movie in the Marvel cinematic universe. I feel so horrible that it's probably the one that, that has made the least amount of money out of all the the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And, you know, this one also is great. It just also does not have the money behind it, I guess, the, the same way that the other ones always seem to open up and and, and, and and break box offices and stuff. But this is this is a great movie. Like, I love the stuff that they pulled in that reminds you of the first movie, but they definitely have their own story this time around. And, mm-hmm. uh, one, I mean, maybe one of the things is that, you know, you have a, you have an actor like Walton Goggins in the movie, uh, as one of your antagonists and he just isn't utilized enough because Walton Goggins is a great actor, but however, oh, yeah. everybody else that they have in the movie, they do utilize amazingly. So I can understand that maybe his character, you know, ends up on the cutting room floor. A lot of the stuff that they might've done with him. So it, I mean, it was just a good movie all around. They had lots of interesting things. They have the connection to the rest of the MCU. They have the connection to Infinity War, and then, but they also managed to have their own movie. So, and I thought that was that was amazing. Yeah, I think that is great, and I think that's kind of what they um, need to do. Right? Is they need to kind of have them. Well, because it's like what you were just saying, like you with with any time you do that, you run the risk of like doing what they just did with Jurassic World uh, or Jurassic, whatever the heck it is. The second Jurassic World movie Um, is that, you know, when you when you don't make it self-contained and you're literally just crafting something to kind of get you into that next movie and it doesn't really have any merit on its own. You run the risk of like alienating people and then being like, yeah, okay, maybe it is going to take us to the next movie, but I just don't care now. You know, like, I, I don't really care if we get to the next movie because this one did not keep me engaged or interested. So I think it is at least really good that they are kind of trying to keep Ant-Man like a self-contained thing, but also tie it in in a way that you can see where it makes sense that it's going to go uh, moving forward and, and how he's going to play that part in the MCU, um, you know, within the next couple of movies or what have you. Yeah, and I think you, I think you were absolutely right with Paul Rudd too, because I don't know if you had an ch- opportunity to see uh, the Catcher was a Spy, uh, his kind of biopic movie about Mo Berg, uh, former Boston Red Sox uh, catcher who turned uh, spy for the OSS in the USA during during uh, World War Two, or mm-hmm. yeah, just yeah during World War Two. He is he is phenomenal in that movie. He does such a great job. I could not believe it. Uh, I think that Paul Rudd is... I said this earlier. I said this to the person I was watching it with. 
I said, I think Paul Rudd's going to be the next Tom Hanks. Like, you know, definitely this comedic actor, but he is going to be every bit of the dramatic actor that you want. And then he's going to kind of become, you know, maybe later on in his years, he'll become America's dad. You know, like you have Tom Hanks come in and play these historical characters when you need that person that's going to touch everybody's lives you know as they're watching this as they're watching the story unfold and paul rudd is definitely there for that so uh, if you if anybody has not had the chance to watch that movie watch it phenomenal what's the name of it again it's called the catcher was a spy the catcher was a spy okay yeah yeah uh yeah story based on uh true 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 a true person a real person in, in history so hmm. yeah give it give it a watch great movie uh, okay, we only got a few more movies to get through, uh, and I'll try and get through them quick. Skyscraper, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne the Rock Johnson's uh, Die Hard movie, as it's being said. <laughs> All set in China. Uh, it's it's a super action movie. Go into it expecting it just to be an action movie, and you'll you'll be okay. Like. You know, watch for the 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 big explosions, the gun shooting, you know, everything like that, and you'll be like, yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. Is it Die Hard? No, but is it supposed to be? Who knows? I I I wouldn't say that, but it, I still had a enjoyable time watching it. Did you have anything to say about that movie? No, I mean, I haven't uh, I haven't seen that movie, so I don't really, you know what I mean. I don't really have any. Um, I don't really have anything to add to that, unfortunately, just because I, I I hadn't seen it. Um, I hadn't really heard anybody call it Die Hard either, but that's really? kind of intriguing. Oh, yeah. since the first trailer, people have been calling this movie Die Hard with The Rock kind of thing. So, and, and I can hmm. see where the comparisons are made, but uh, it's it's definitely not Die Hard. So. Yeah, it's like rock hard. <laughs> it's 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 as as people called it. It's either die scraper or sky hard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Uh, the next movie, Equalizer Two, Denzel Washington's uh, sequel to his his movie Equalizer by Antoine Fuqua a few years earlier. Not as enjoyable as the first movie. I went into it. Maybe that's just me. I I really loved the first movie. I thought that first movie was was great in the way that uh, you have this character being portrayed by Denzel Washington. Uh, you know, every sense of the character, he's just this uh, loner guy who works at a big box hardware store and nothing to suspect about him. But then you come to find out he's got all these. He's got the secret life that he used to be essentially a cia spook or you know bagman whatever you want to call it and he can kick ass which was awesome and he does it efficiently cut to the <laughs> second movie they definitely want to give you a lot more backstory to his character of before uh he was robert mccall the you know home depot working guy but the things that they kind of like what they I think what they give you kind of takes away from the allure of the character. Um, and then they decided not to give you a lot of action scenes in a movie that's definitely supposed to be an action movie. 
So it falls really short from the first movie for me. Like it just was not as an enjoyable movie as maybe as I was expecting. Maybe I was just going into it way too uh, hyped up. Well, that's like super unfortunate because the, the the first movie, like you said, was really a lot of fun. It was like a really cool movie, uh, you know, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. And I felt like it was kind of a different concept too uh, than what you normally get in those types of films. But yeah, I, I you know, it, I think it's always difficult when you have like sequels, right? Because it teeters just so closely on how you play out what happens as to whether or not it's really going to be good you know because you don't want to necessarily do the exact same thing that the first movie did yes but at the same time you're like well i mean there's obviously a reason that people got really drawn into that that first film so you're like well how do we how do we kind of strike gold twice you know right no yeah i i i get it i know sequels have got to be difficult and especially coming at it from that that point of view i just feel like it just really fell short however you did get to go see a sequel. You saw Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. Did you see the original? I did. I did, yep. So how I've, did, watched, I've I, watched them both now. I have not I haven't I haven't seen either one of them. So how did how did the sequel fare? You know, I I mean, first off, I think you know, I mean I think you have to be a fan of musicals, number one. Okay. Um it certainly obviously helps if you're a fan of ABBA as well. Right. And uh, you know, I I gotta say, I really enjoyed both of them. Um, the second one, I think, does a really good job of of kind of going back and giving you a little bit of backstory. Uh, uh, not a little bit, I guess. I got quite a bit of backstory about Meryl Streep's kind of character's youth and how everything kind of transpired uh, to where you know she eventually gets pregnant and and has um, Amanda Seyfried uh, character, right? And uh, the, the musical numbers are every bit as on par and grandiose as the first one. Uh, there's kind of like a special guest appearance that happens at the end of the first uh, or the end of the second film. Uh, Andy Garcia is in it. And I, I think he's just absolutely kind of incredible. And he's not really in it a whole lot. Uh, so much to the point that I kind of made a comment at first where I was like, that's so weird that they got like Andy Garcia for that role because I feel like they could have just gotten anyone. Um, but then when you get to the end, you're you're like, oh, well, wait a minute. OK, like this. Yeah, no, that that did pay off. Like, I'm glad that they went that route and they used uh, him for that. But it's just a really fun kind of fun, loving movie. If you're into, you know, like I said, if you're into those things, if you're into those musicals and the the a band of abba so yeah i mean it's it, definitely not gonna be for everybody like i would have a hard time just recommending like everyone go out and watch it but you know i think if you meet any of the or even if you just saw the first one i think you would and enjoyed it i think you'll enjoy the second one as well and lily james plays the younger version of meryl streep right yes how did she yeah do? which uh, well, it threw me a little bit at first because she doesn't really look anything like uh, Meryl Streep. And, and weirdly enough, like the two uh, older ladies that, that play Meryl Streep's like best friends or whatever, uh, the the actors they got to play the young versions of them were terrifyingly similar. Oh, wow. Like so much sort of the fact that I had to like double take at one point and be like, did they just clone them? Because... <laughs> I mean, it like really threw me for a loop. And then you get to to Lily James and you're like, who I think is a wonderful performer. 
but you get to her and you're like, she doesn't, to me at least, look anything like Meryl Streep. So it's like they did such a great job with the other two that it's almost jarring at how unsimilar she looks to Meryl Streep. Hmm. Um, which is like a weird thing to kind of be like, oh, well, that's maybe problematic for the movie. Uh, but but it's kind of true. Like it really does kind of jar you and take you out a little bit where you're like, well, how did they, how did they get these other two like so <laughs> spot on? And then, you know, but, but she does a great job and, and I, I really do enjoy her as a, as a performer. And I, I, I really, like I said, you know, I, I think the first thing that I kind of um, really saw her in or that I really remember seeing her in was baby driver, which was not terribly long ago. Right. And, you know, I, I had no idea she was even in this movie. So when I went into it and, and she was there, I was like, oh, I was like, right on. Like, it's it's really cool to see her getting like some more, you know, prominent roles. This obviously pretty much a leading role, really, because like most of the movie is really about her. Like Amanda Seyfried's not really even in the movie that much. Right. Um, yeah, because like it's the all bulk about, majority of it's this is all about her character, or yeah, her Meryl Streep's character in the past, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I'm I'm really thrilled from from that perspective, you know. And I hope that she continues to to get to go forward and and really find some roles that she likes and that can potentially challenge her. Because I think she is uh, gonna really just you know take off as a as a really great actor. Can I ask you one thing though? Like, of course, do they? do they bring up or say anything about the fact that Cher is playing Meryl Streep's mother and she's only three years older than Meryl Streep? Um, no. And, uh, I'll be honest with you. It, it really, it really does not come off that jarring. Really? Um, yeah. I mean, like when, when like Cher obviously is in the movie and, you know, when she makes her appearance, like, there was never a moment where I was like, oh, I don't buy that that's actually the grandma. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, I, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I was not really, I mean, like, I think it does kind of come across that, you know, maybe she had her pretty young, but when you're watching the story uh, of the character unfold, like, obviously she gets pregnant uh, pretty young as well. So, I mean, like, it kind of just seems to be like a trend for that family, you know, which, I I don't I don't know it was just never jarring to me to see her as the grandma you know what I mean like okay. she shows up her she has completely like platinum hair um yeah I don't know it really didn't bother me okay uh, at Fair all enough. I, it wasn't yeah, yeah. I I just when I know seeing the trailer I was just like that's very strange they have to be close in age why would she be playing her mom does she show up in the flashbacks still playing Meryl Streep's mom or Lily James's mom I should no. say. See, that's the only no. reason why I would see that they would cast her is because they wanted to use her in the younger version or the flashback scenes. But yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you, you never, never see them on screen together. Like it's, it's, it's only, um, it's only a brief moment uh, where it's her and Amanda Seyfried, and and that's it. Like you don't, you don't. And, and I do think from that standpoint, that would have maybe been kind of strange. Like if they would have showed like Meryl and her on the screen together and you know she was like oh mama or whatever you know what I mean like then I might have been like I don't know about I don't know <laughs> about that but but in the context of the movie it it it, it isn't it isn't that bad. Okay. 
fair enough. Last movie I want to talk about. Mission Impossible Fallout. Man was Duh. man was I <laughs> super stoked for this movie. I am I you know, I love the Mission Impossible franchise. Uh all of them. I, I love, you know, everything about them and getting to this movie, it did not disappoint. It is not my favorite out of the franchise. My favorite still goes to Ghost Protocol. However, it is oh. right up there with Rogue Nation and uh, Part Three and Part One and Part Two. Like I just think that this, this Fallout was an amazing movie. Chris Chris McQuarrie, uh, I think, did a great job, and especially since he this is the only time in the franchise they brought back a director to uh, do one of the sequels. It definitely feels like a sequel to uh, Rogue Nation. Uh, so you have a lot of the connections there. I loved a lot of the story parts where they kind of reference or bring back stuff from the other movies, which definitely didn't ever seem to happen before. Um, so that was that was pretty cool. Like it definitely makes it seem like a connected universe, a, a bunch of connected movies other than Ethan Hunt. And uh, I, I, you know, it it plays out so well and then you know you get the the added bonus of knowing that tom cruise is actually doing some of these death defying stunts himself and it's it's scary and interesting and kind of takes you out of it, it might take you out of the movie a little bit but like it, i think it adds to the movie more than anything else henry cavill does an amazing job in his role uh simon Pegg comes back for you know the the comedy and the only thing was that jeremy renner doesn't return which was i thought was an unfortunate thing since he's been in the last two movies but from what it sounds like you know they they offered him a certain type of role and he's like no that's okay i don't want to come back just for that i plus i got other things going on and i understand that on his part so maybe that means he comes back for the next iteration of this movie uh, I, I hope he does because again he's another actor that I, I really enjoy watching I recently watched um, was it Wind River oh god that movie's so good it's a really good movie I mean it's 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 got some challenging material in there you know yep. for sure but it is a it is definitely a, a worthwhile movie to watch like um, and so I, I hope that I hope you're right I hope that at some point they do kind of uh, let him return to the uh, IMF fold, if you will. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it, you know, if you get the opportunity and you like that franchise, definitely give it a, give it a shot, give it a try, give it a watch. Um, I really want to watch it. That's a little, like as soon as you said it, that's why I was like, oh, it's because like I still haven't got to go watch it, and like I've been like honestly, this is gonna sound ludicrous to me, but like it's been one of the movies that I've been kind of most interested in seeing this summer. Um, oh, I don't think that's ludicrous at all. Like, well, I think it is until you you've seen it, right? Because, right. Uh, like, and I'm talking like before summer even started, where I was just like amped up more to watch this than even Infinity War. Even like before I saw Infinity War, like when I watched the first trailer from this, I was just like, oh my gosh, like this is <laughs> this is what we need right now. And um, I'm glad to hear that it doesn't disappoint. Like I was really kind of uh, concerned about that, and. Um, was Christopher McQuarrie the same director of Oblivion? No, he was the same director of Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow, that's okay. Yeah. I knew it was one of the two. I just couldn't remember exactly. But that's a great movie that we should have gotten a, he was a also, sequel to. That would have been he, great. He was also the writer of The Usual Suspects. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So I did he, not remember that. Yeah, he's he's write, written a few, uh, quite a few movies, and then he started directing. I think Edge of Tomorrow was his first directing uh 
credit. I'm don't quote me on that. I might not be. Uh, I might be talking on my ass, but uh, I think that might have been it. And he's you know he's definitely been working with uh, Tom Cruise since then. And I, yeah, I think he's great. I think he's a, a great director. There was a lot of talk of him at, out of coming out of this movie that maybe he would do Man of Steel two with Henry Cavill. Oh. However, now that you know people have, or I should say, fandom has become quite toxic on the internet, and you know people mm. are constantly harassing uh, Ryan Johnson and other people from Star Wars, for the Star Wars franchise. He has said that he definitely does not want to make a superhero movie or a uh, wow. Star Wars movie now. So that is that is unfortunate wow. for us movie fans. Like that is very unfortunate you you would you want if you love movies and and then you also like comic book movies you want christopher christopher mccrory to make a man of steel 2 movie like that would have been icing but now it seems like it might not happen i gotta say i don't i don't blame him i I don't blame him either no blame him but like i do have to say this though and this isn't me trying to be toxic but the last Jedi was garbage. I mean, I'm sorry, but that movie is so bad. And like, not even like, and I'm not even mad. Like, I've read like since I finally did break down and watch it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I gotta say, like, I'm not mad for the same reasons that like the toxic fandom is. Oh but, yeah. Like, you watch that movie and you're just like, what in the hell happened? Like, how did Disney let this movie get made this way? Like, it's so bad. And, like, I don't wish any ill will on Ryan Johnson. Like, I just think that they should have totally left the three movies to J.J. and let Ryan Johnson do the trilogy that he wants to do, which would not be related at all. Because it really felt like, to me, it felt, this is what it felt like. All of The Force Awakens sets all of this stuff up that, like, you know, like, we're going to come back to. It's going to pay off later. And then Ryan Johnson comes in and is like, yeah, I just don't want to do that. So, like, (laughs) I'm not going to do it. And, like, all the stuff that they had set up that you were invested in, like, in the first movie totally just gets thrown out the window. And you're like, but but wait. And now my fear is, is that since J.J. Abrams is coming back to do whatever the F episode 9 is called – that he's going to be like, well, all that stuff that he just did is out the window and all my <laughs> stuff is back in. And it's just going to be like, what? Like, and it's, it's really, I think, an illustration of what Marvel has done with Kevin Feige and, and the whole team that's been involved with that of like saying, this is what we're going to do, right, wrong, or indifferent. We're going to see it through until this like arc of the phase or whatever is done. And like that's really what they needed to have done with Star Wars if that's what they were wanting to do. Like, and it, because it just shows so much that they were just like, we don't really know what the heck we're doing with this or what we want to do with it. And I think to me, that's that's really more problematic than all the the like kind of stupid crap that people were getting up in arms and complaining about. Like, you know what I mean? Like fundamentally, it's just a bad movie. I mean, like, you can get stupidly upset about like you know i don't know all the other crap that you know the digital uh torch and pitch pitchforks people were were complaining about but but that's neither here nor there but like fundamentally as a film it's just garbage like it's just bad you know it's so funny because like the the things that you're describing as being bad like this is the reason why this movie is so divisive against uh you know for star wars fans because the things that you're saying bad are the the, the the exact same things that 
that one half of the fans are saying is the great thing about this movie. Now, me personally, I fall on this movie is bad, but it's not because of the same reasons you said. The same reason, the reasons I thought it was bad is because I just thought it was just uninteresting. I thought everything about the movie was unimportant. Uh, you know, none of it. There are absolutely no stakes in the movie, and I have I have no no vetted interest in any of these characters anymore. Uh, and then you go, and then you do exactly what you said, like. And you know that's what the, some of the people were like. Oh, all those things that you thought were interesting from the from Force Awakens, it's it's wrong. You, you weren't even supposed to be thinking about that. These are the things that are important. It's like, well, then what are we talking about? Like it, it to me, that's where the movie disconnects for me. And I just, no, yeah, I was so that, that's, bored. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I, like I'm in complete agreement with you because I know like there was a lot of people that got upset about like certain characters and the race of certain characters. That's the dumbest like, thing in the okay, world. Seriously. Well, it's, and that's what I'm saying. I'm like, really people like, come on. Um, you know, I know a lot of other people got really upset with like the whole, like Luke astrally projecting himself, which I'm like, okay, but let's be honest. We've seen Jedi's do that. Yeah. Granted, they were dead, but here's the thing. They gained that level of power and enlightenment when they died. There's nothing saying that they couldn't do it when they were alive. Now, I will agree with you. I think it's still stupid that it happens because it totally invalidates the entire fight sequence between him and uh, Kylo. Like, it's absolutely stupid, but, like, I'm not mad that they did it, like, from the sense of being like, oh, well, you're just crapping all over canon because that was never stated that it was, you know, could be done. And it's like, yeah. Yes, it was uh, like it's it's stated in the same movie too when yep. uh yoda shows up and punches him in the face with his cane like it's foreshadowing people it's what movies do it's See, in there like and that and, and to me that's also the part that really upsets me is because it we're getting this false uh emotion from the movie of oh no luke is dead is he really dead because he's gonna be in the next movie as a force ghost throughout most of it so What's the difference? Well, like, yeah, he, he's, he's yeah, he's just connected. Uh, he's he's basically Neo in a sense that he's merged with Agent Smith, become a gray Jedi, and merged with the Source. You yeah, know what I mean, like, exactly. That's basically what Luke has done now. So he, it's it's like just to me, it was just the stakes were not there. There's nothing about this movie that makes me feel like oh, I need to worry about anything. No, it's all just nonsense. Like from the well, beginning, when it, when Leia does not die in outer space, when she she gets sucked into the vacuum of space. She doesn't die. <laughs> she force she like force glides her way to safety. It's just she like, well, then there's no point. Shielded her lungs. Sure. And, why and not? Her body, yeah. I mean? Of no, course. No, no, no. I like. I totally agree with you. I, I like. I. I. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I think that's absolutely ludicrous and ridiculous. And like, there's so many fundamental problems with like Ray as a character and how like. You know, she she spends the entire first movie seeking Luke Skywalker out to learn the stuff of the Jedi. And then she literally gets there and 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 they're like, she already knows everything. All of these books that have been written by all of these other amazing like Jedi's. Yeah, she doesn't. She knows it all. There's nothing in there that she could possibly know or, or need to know going forward. Like burn the mother down, blow the tree up. No one cares. I was just like, wow, like what a what a horrible characterization. Like no like this character has no struggle. Like that's so unfortunate that you finally get 
you know, potentially a super badass female character, and yet the character can't even be a great character because it has no struggle. It has no hurdles to truly overcome or, or you know, to to try to uh, challenge themselves to change who they are. And and I think it's just so disappointing. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, no. it's like totally just took a like a tyrantal rage into a different uh, thing, but uh, I, I, I really, I really think it's just so unfortunate. It's hey, no, I, I, I see exactly where you're coming. From. See, and I'm not even a big fan of Star Wars. I know you are a big fan of the original trilogy, so it's, it's, it's very, it's a thing, and uh, we're not going to solve it. Kathleen Kennedy has, doesn't seem to be able to to solve it, so <laughs> yeah. we'll see what yeah. happens, JJ, in Episode Nine. Now, that was uh, that was our summer so far, and I hope everybody was able to enjoy it as much as we have. Uh, Richard, where can more people find you? Uh, I am on uh, Twitter at Rycoen, R-I-C-O-W-N. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Twitch every Wednesday and Sunday at uh, 2 p.m. Arizona time. Um, which is, of course, twitch.tv slash Rycohen1, R-I-C-O-W-N, and the number one. And uh, you can find me on Twitter as Mitchipedia, G-E-R. The G-E-R stands for Geek Elite Radio. If you want to talk to the rest of Geek Elite Radio, it is at Geek Elite Radio on Twitter, at Geek Elite Radio on Instagram. Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Radio is our Facebook page. And geekeliteradio.com is our website. Check out archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the Geek Elite Radio Network. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show, and hopefully we'll do it a lot more often, (laughs) saying always remember to geek out. Geek out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.